The following episode may contain material that some listeners may find triggering or disturbing and may not be suitable for younger audiences, including depictions of sexual assault, violence, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I was trying to be in control of every little part of my life, like everything, when it comes to everything. It's like, girl, you have no control. That's the part of control that you got, how you respond, how you are as a person. That's the control you have. Everything else, you ain't got control of that. What job you were, if they fire you, how your mom acts towards you, how people treat you, you don't have no control over that. The answer to your question is, was I had to let go of control, of trying to, to control everything in my life, because I've been there. No matter how insignificant you felt, you matter, you are enough, and never forget that. Hold on to that. Tell yourself that out loud every single day, every single hour. I know you feel empty, but God can and will fill you up. Surrender that. These are stories featuring everyday women who have overcome some extraordinary obstacles. From Ash Media Network, this is the good news. Hey there. Welcome back to the Good News Podcast. For those of you that have reached out about the show and how much you've enjoyed listening to these stories so far, I appreciate you. I pass your sentiments along to our speakers and I share your messages with them. Even though we just got started, I can't wait for you to hear the rest of the season. So that being said, today's story is from Anissa. When we were editing today's episode, I found myself smiling a lot. Anissa has such a sweet soul and it comes across deliberately. She speaks from a place of compassion, even though she has every right not to. When speaking with her, I found myself nodding my head in agreement and wanting to cut in and finish her sentences because I could relate to some of the things that she said. And in all honesty, I think we all can. Here's Anissa. Um, My name is Anissa, and I am from Miami, Florida. I love, I'm a water sign, so I love water. So I love water. I love, I don't like that it's always hot, but I do like that I can go to the beach all year. My personality back then, I was very reserved, very quiet, very innocent, very sweet, I was pretty much out the way. I wasn't really, I was known, but wasn't known, if that makes any sense. So I was kind of like popular, but not popular. Um, I think one thing that stood out was like how I dressed, my fashion. Like I love like clothes and shoes. So I had like all the sneakers. I was like a sneaker head. I was in dance and cheer. So I kind of like, that's why I say I was more so popular because of the things that I did, not because of kind of who I am, because I'm like very quiet and stuff. But um, after I ch- like cheered and danced, you know, I'm a, I'm close to the football team and the band, so I knew a lot of people. So I did have a lot of friends. I have three older brothers from my dad's side, and I have a younger brother from my mom's side. And I mean, pretty much my my dad. I mean, he lived a very short life because you know he passed away um, when I was like in fifth grade. And he was, you know, in the streets. He was like one of those hustlers, street pharmacists is what they called them. And then he passed away at a very young age. So I didn't, I wasn't really close with him. Um, and then even before then, he was like in jail often. I couldn't really correlate a relationship with him, but I did know he loved me. 
my mom on the other hand um I can't really say too much about her life because I only kind of like know of her life through other people so I can't really voice like oh I know about her life other than her being my mom and things like that because I did stay with my grandma and my aunt sometimes so she kind of like did her thing she was young at that time so she kind of like was doing what I was doing when I was when I had a kid so I couldn't really blame her I don't really I can't really say yeah I knew this about her life or like those type of things I know she kind of like went through her own things but I can't really say I know her life other than you know her just being around being my mom and things like that when I was I think I was maybe like five possibly she would go visit her dad um and he worked at a like a junkyard because he worked on cars so I would just go visit her her dad with her so that was like the earliest memory that I can really remember like being with my mom and like hanging out with her and stuff like that she was fun and quirky she's very goofy I feel like she's like crazy in a good way like people would think that she has like a crazy personality she's like one of those people who are like high off life she don't do drinking or anything like that. So her personality is like, that's her high. Early on, it was my grandmother. Me and my mom lived with my grandmother for years. Up until I was in sixth grade was when we, me and my mom kind of moved into our own apartment and everything. Up until maybe like 10th grade, she moved to Jacksonville. And then I ended up moving with my aunt, which is my dad's sister. And I lived with her up until I graduated. Then I moved to Jacksonville with my mom because she had moved. I moved with her for a year, went to Tallahassee for a year, and I came back to Miami, and I had been there ever since until I moved here. I stopped living with her when I was in high school. It's just we, because we never had that type of relationship, it was just like, there was a lot of friction. It didn't, it didn't work. The best way that I can explain it was like, it's like living in a house that's paid for that you will have for years for the rest of your life, but you don't have no electricity. You have no water. You have no furniture. It's just dark, it's dull, it's empty. And you're just there. Because at first I didn't know that I was not connected to her. I just thought like, okay, what's wrong with her? Why she don't like me? You know, I didn't really understand it or I didn't correlate it as being disconnected from her. I started hanging out with my best friend that I I met in sixth grade. Her and my mom was friends, which is how me and her even started being best friends. We found out that our moms knew each other and grew up together. And I would be around her mom. And I used to be like, why her mom cares about her the way she does? You know, she supports her. She's there for her. She asks us questions, asks her questions. I was like, I never understood why she didn't, why my mom didn't do that for me. Everybody else who I know, their moms are like this with them. But my mom is not like that with me. Me and my mom's relationship is strange. It's not normal, like how normal moms are with their daughters or their children. We didn't communicate. We didn't, you know, how was your day? It was none of that. It was just kind of like a roommate in a way. But that's the best way I can describe it. Literally having a house that's paid for forever. Like you, your mom gave you a house and she's paid for And you have no furniture in it, no electricity, no water. You know, it was just empty just kind of like coexists almost I think the whole time like all these years I always thought it was me like what did I do is it because my dad died is it because I look like him is it because you I don't know what y'all went through before like is it something I did and I couldn't understand what could I have done as a child to 
make her feel the way that she felt or whatnot. But like I said, I didn't understand it in the beginning. I was trying to figure out like, what well, did I say something wrong? I'm like, no, I didn't say anything wrong because I never said too much of anything anyway. And we kind of had that relationship. And I think I would, I was so reserved because of how our relationship was. It was like when I would try to explain something to her or express myself to her, it was almost like I was just shut down. Like, no, this is what I said. Go to your room. I don't want to hear that. So I started to get even more quiet, more, more reserved, more, I would never like speak on anything. And I think that trickled on into like, my life when I got grown like I even to this day I still have a hard time telling people how I feel or telling people when something's wrong or even when I need help because I internalize everything for those of you with siblings I'm sure you know a thing or two about sibling rivalry sometimes you can either be the best of friends with your brother or sister or the worst of enemies I asked Anissa about her brother's I asked her what her relationship was like with her brothers and did they experience the same thing she did growing up. Here's what she had to say. My relationship with my brother is really good. We always had a great relationship. Um, But her relationship with him, as far as I can see when I am around her, it's great. It seems like it's, it's great how it was supposed to be. I see that she, you know, she calls him, she checks on him and things like that. So I know she, you know, she does what she's supposed to do. So I'm happy that she, she's doing that. You know, even if she didn't do that with me, I want her to do that for him. At first it bothered me, but I can't say I was, it was an envious bother or like, oh, I feel some type of way. Not like a Cain and Abel type of bond. No, no, I didn't feel like that about it. Siblings really be jealous of other siblings. And I was surprised that I wasn't that way towards him because you know most people would take that out like oh you ain't do that with me you do this with him but you ain't do it with me but I never felt like that I was more so just grateful that she wasn't doing him the way she was doing me more than anything that's really that all that mattered to me I never felt any type of way toward my brother ever like like I said he's like my child so so I'm more so advocated for him or like more so push for them to actually have that type of relationship never envious I'm not going to be angry about that because at least you are progressing. I think that's more better than anything that you're progressing, even if you didn't do it with me. You're doing it with him now. So that's all that matters. The generational curse can break. I did have my aunt and my close cousin who kind of like gave me that. So I can say I never missed a beat as far as like someone showing me love, but showing Showing love is, is good, and I appreciate that I even had that. But it's different when it's coming from your mother, your foundation, versus coming from your aunt, who's your dad's sister, or something like that. So, The next question I asked Anissa was a lot to unpack and couldn't be answered in a single podcast episode. This is just my thoughts and opinions, but... I wanted Anissa's perspective. I asked Anissa, why are parents, more specifically mothers, harder on their daughters than they are their sons? I know that's not the case for everybody, but I do know for a lot of women who have brothers, there is preferential treatment. I've asked my parents this and I have my own perspective, but I was curious to know what Anissa thought and agreed to a lot of what she said. 
I think your parents are more harder on the first child, period, because that's when they're the most youngest and more immature. So they don't really know what they're doing and they're trying to live their life as well. But I do believe that they do hold their, so in the case of a mom holding their daughter to a different standard than their son, I think it's more so of the opposite genders, for one. And then I also think it is just because as women, we just mature faster than men or boys anyway. So maybe, I just think that maybe they just feel like, you know, you're, you were built for this. So you can you can take you can handle this and that and the third. But my son, he's immature. He's gonna be immature until he's probably like 18, 20, 30 years old. So I it's like they have to pour more into them than us. Not saying that, oh, it's fair or it's right, because I feel like both child with whatever gender should be treated equally. But sometimes I think with culture and just like sometimes how your parents are grew up, they kind of just feel like, no, I was built for this. She she can be built for this too. Like she she got it. Like, you know, so she got they kind of make it seem like, you know, they need to pour more into their sons than their daughters. Cause I also feel it's the same way with a dad and their daughter. Your dad's probably not as rough on you as he is with your other brothers, you know, or whatnot, because he knows like, okay, you need to be a man. You need to need to do this, that, and the third, because he knows, but versus you, he's like, no, that's my daughter, she's sweet, like, I need to love on her more, or whatever the case may be, so I just feel like it's more so the gender roles that play between that, that makes it like that, but, I mean, it's not right, but it's just kind of like how it is. It definitely shaped my whole entire world, and definitely how I related to other people or because to me it was almost like okay this is my mother this is the person who birthed me you got cut for me you got you got a scar for me and you don't to me do what I would think a mom would do I would say I was just a really messed up kid internally like emotionally like I don't even now to this day I still know how to show emotion I still know how to to me I don't feel like I know how to show love like externally most people like reassurance they like for you to show it and I feel like I'm not one of those type of people that show it I'm very reserved I'm very like hardcore like you would never if something's wrong with me you would never know that something's wrong with me I can be smiling I can be happy I can and you would never know that I'm going through what I go through but I feel like even with my relationships with with men I feel like that ties into it because I can never like let someone love me because I'm like okay well I feel like my mom never really loved me in that way not saying she never loved me obviously she loves me but she never loved me in that way and then on top of that I didn't have my dad so it's like a whole another trauma that I have to deal with with relationships so I didn't have neither one of my foundations I had people to pour into me. It's not the same when your foundation is pouring into you. So I kind of unconsciously put that on other people or almost was expecting those people to give me what they, what my mom never gave me. But that's why I think that I'm so intentional when it comes to my daughter, because I sometimes I like, if I'll yell at her, I'm like, dang, I sound like my mama. Let me go and apologize. Like, I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that, like, I'm more intentional. Like, that's something that my mom wouldn't do. She would just yell at me and be like, girl, go in the room, bye, I don't wanna hear that. But with me, it's like, if I yell at her, I'll be like, okay, I'll hug her. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to yell at you, but this is why I'm yelling at you. I give you a reason why. And I think most parents do that. Like, they think that 
just because they're a parent, what they say goes, and it's just that. And it's like, no, give your child a chance to at least like express themselves. Even if you're not going to do what they said, let them get it out. Let them know that you're listening, that you see them, that you hear them. So I think that's kind of what I do differently with my daughter. I kind of, I talk to her more. I ask her questions like every couple of weeks and she gets mad at me. She's like, mom, why are you guys asking me that? And I'm like, because your feelings change and I might not be doing things right. So I'll be like, hey, are you happy? Are you happy today? Like, how are you feeling? Like, I don't think she gets it now, but I'm being intentional with asking those questions. Because those are questions that mom never asked me. She never asked me, was I okay? Like, how I'm feeling today? Like, I try to be as open with my daughter and to help her to be open to always leave that door open. So even if she is going through something, I don't want her to feel like she can't come to me. And I feel like, I feel like that my mom, like I can't come to you. You're not that, you're not my safe place. And as my mom, I feel like you're supposed to be my safe place. I later found out that it wasn't me. You know what I mean? It wasn't my doing. It was more so of her projecting her fears, her traumas on me. You know what I mean? So, you know, I do know that she didn't have the best relationship with my grandmother and that that relationship was very estranged. So I feel like that kind of tied into how she mothered me. Which is why I end up going back and showing her grace and giving her unlimited forgiveness. It wasn't necessarily her fault and that she was a kid too. And she never got to get over that. And I don't even, even when my grandma passed, they never got to talk about it. But I know that, you know, she does have a lot of trauma and things that I don't even know about. So I, that's why I try to show grace. Loving her no matter what. No matter what she do to me, no matter how far gone she is, no matter, you know, what she does to me, uh, no matter what she have done done to me, we still have a chance to, like, mend it back together. I feel like God is the God of the unthinkable. He can do anything. So if he can change me and do miracles for me and everybody else, then he can do it for her. You know, I would just wait on him to do what he do on her because I can't, I can't do the work for her. I can only extend the support, extend the love, so reach out, do what I only I can do. Because when it's judgment day at the end of the day, God's going to say, what did you do, Anissa? He's not going to say, what did your mom do? He's not going to ask me what my daughter did. He's going to be like, what did you do? Did you still extend the invitation? Did you still call and check on her? Did you still acknowledge her for Mother's Day? Did you still forgive her? Did you still, was were, were you genuine about the things that you were extending? She's still at the bus stop. I'm on the bus and she's still at the bus stop and I'm just riding by, waving, hey, until you're ready to get on and say, hey, I'm, I'm getting on. And then you can stop the bus, you can get on with me and then we can go ahead and continue the ride. But until you do the inner work, then we there's nothing that I can possibly do, but what I can do. I've been giving her grace and showing her that, you know, the door is always open. But I think when I really was just like, okay, I'm going to detach myself emotionally from it because I felt like it got to a point where it was every little thing that she did or did not do, I would be so in my feelings. Like I would be mad. I, you know how you get mad, you start talking to yourself, like playing out a whole scenario, like what you're going to say. I used to do all that. It's like, why are you even doing all this? Like, you're not even going to say what you're, gonna, what you're saying right now. You're not even going to say it to her. You know what I mean? So it's like, I have this going on in my life. I have a whole human being I have to worry about. And I'm over here letting my mom, who's not even worried about me at this point in time, you know, get me into this space. And I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. So it was like, okay, God, can we talk? 
And I think he started to show me like, who told you to do it in the first place? Who told you to be her savior? You, you wasn't supposed to be her savior anyway. The only thing you were supposed to do is support her, love her where she is or where she's going or wh whatever she's doing. That's not your job. He was like, that's the problem. You were trying to be her savior. That's your problem. You're not nobody's savior. Girl, you better take off that cape. I'm, I'm the only savior in this world. So it was almost like God was like, yeah, I have to get you together first so you can understand you're getting worked up because you're trying to do too much. You're trying to fix her. You cannot fix her. Only I can fix her. Focus on Anissa. Do what Anissa has to do for Anissa. So Anissa can be great for your daughter. And then, you know, I'll fix the rest. I'll get in the, the crevices of the little areas that you won't see or that you feel like you just, your hands are tied at this point. No, I'll, I'll, I'll handle that. So I let go and I let go, I surrender. Cause I feel like because I had this automatic wall up, it was like, I was trying to be in control of every little part of my life, like everything when it comes to everything. And I'm like, girl, you have no control. That's the part of control that you got, how you respond, how you are as a person, that's the control you have. Everything else, you ain't got control of that. What job you work, if they fire you, how your mom acts towards you, how people treat you, you don't have no control over that. You only have control over how you respond. So control yourself in the area that you do and I control everything else. I had to let go of control, of trying to, to control everything in my life. And that tied into me trying to control my relationship with my mom, something that I never had control over from the job. It's so crazy, like how God works. It's like, I feel like my daughter gives me what I needed from my mom. It's very weird, but it's so true. She just teaches me so much, teach me about forgiveness, like how she is with like my mom. Like, even though she's seen me and my relationship, she's still so like, she'll still call my mom like, grandma, you coming to my game? Like, you know, she's like, and back then I would have been like, I'm not calling that lady. And then she just teach me like, you know, the kind of love that God gives. Let's put it that way. I asked Anissa that question. I always have to ask for someone going through the same thing. What's the best piece of advice you can give them? And for someone who has never experienced this before, but they can still learn something from you. What's the best piece of advice that you could give them? Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. In capital, knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, you as a prophet to the nations. How can something be missing if you were thought of and known before your parents were even here? You have everything you need. You always have before your parents even knew who each other was. You already had a life purpose. And I think all the time why I couldn't have a life um, that I wanted. And I realized that's because it's not my life. That wasn't, that's not my life. It never was my life. And it's not yours either. What is, is your life. Where you're supposed to be. You're going to trust your struggles, trust that all that you went through because you was built for it. God knew you can handle that and needed it just like I did. And I'm here sharing my story with you because I've been there. 
No matter how insignificant you felt, you matter, you are enough, and never forget that. Hold on to that. Tell yourself that out loud every single day, every single hour. I know you feel empty, but God can and will fill you up. Surrender that. Stop holding on to it. See God as all things you were missing or feel like you missed, and he will be all those things to you and more. That's the only way I'm able to tell you this. You got it, whatever it is. Cherish what you have, whether you have experience or not. Um, you will experience hardships, um, trials. You will have trauma, whether there are is levels of trauma, but everybody will experience trauma. I would say just focus on you and be the best that you can be for others. Never stop living. Never being. A, never stop being a student of life. You know, pour into the world what you know God is pouring into you. Talk to God. Because he's the only person who's going to really get you through any and everything. The things that even your mom can't help you with or your dad can't help you with. Because we always come to mommy and daddy for, you know, everything. And only they can do but so much too. You know, God is the end all and be all. So if you need anything, I would say turn to him, talk to him. How I'm talking right now is how I pray. So I don't pray all extra fancy and big words, but... I just be like, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. Why is why am I doing this? Like, this is literally how I'm talking to God. He probably be like, I'm so so done with you, child. But I'm like, God ain't my personality for nothing. That's how I know he got a good personality. The intentionality behind everything that I do now, that I think beyond the surface level now, that I'm not so critical now on myself on other people I like that I'm more outspoken now I like that I have a better perspective I I like that I am learning every single day and having aha moments um with God showing me things as I'm being still and working on myself internally I like that you know I can show grace now that I can be forgiven now that it makes me feel better now, you know? So I feel like I've grown a lot in just over the past few years. Since like 2018, I would say I've grown tremendously in my faith. And I feel like that's what I'm most proud of. That leads me to every other direction of my life. So we've come to that final part of the story where I would normally ask Anissa to speak to her younger self. But this time... I asked her if your mom was sitting right here with us, if she was listening to this podcast episode like the rest of us, what would you tell her? What would you say? If she was listening right now, I would tell her that I'm sorry for everything that you had to go through. I'm sorry that you didn't get the love that you needed, that you wanted. I'm I'm sorry that you wasn't seen or felt or loved properly or how you wanted to be loved. I forgive you for everything that you did not do for me that I expected of you. And I'm sorry for even putting that on you. Those expectations. There is still time for you to change or to be better so that we can mend our relationship and be better for my daughter and my future kids and can make up the time that we lost over the years. I pray for you every day. 
I love you immensely. You are a great person, even though, you know, things happen and trauma has blurred your vision of even thinking that, or even if you don't feel like that about yourself, you are a good person, but I am still on the bus waiting for you to ask for it to stop. And whenever you are ready, and I'll be here. If you or someone you know is currently involved in an unhealthy relationship with a family member, click the links in the description of today's episode to learn more about your local services that may be available to you. There are a lot of things we cannot control in life, including the behavior of the people we love, but we can get help. We don't have to do it alone. Visit the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy to find a family therapist in your area. To learn more about relational therapy, visit the links we provided in the description. The Good News Podcast is a collection of personal stories told week by week, with brand new episodes every Monday, brought to you by Ash Media Network. And remember, with every bad day, there is always a good day to follow. With every obstacle comes a victory. There is always something good to look forward to. Good news is always on its way.